0: Welcome to the Happy Menopause Podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, nutritionist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialise in women's health and the menopause. There are multiple ways that diet and lifestyle can support you through the challenges of midlife. And my latest book, The Happy Menopause Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with all my best nutritional advice to help you tailor your diet to your menopause symptoms. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Welcome to season five of the Happy Menopause. Today we're going to look at the FAQs of the perimenopause and menopause, because let's face it, we've all got questions and there are some subjects that you might not feel too comfortable asking about. But fear no more. I'm chatting to the brilliant Julie Robinson of Menno Health, who's worked with thousands of women over the years, and her new book has collated some of the most common, and not so common, questions and concerns, and she's worked with a number of experts to provide the answers. But first I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Better You, who make it possible for me to produce this podcast. We need optimum levels of vitamin D to absorb the calcium, which keeps our bones strong and healthy. And that's why a supplement really is a non-negotiable for women in midlife. Vitamin D also plays a key role in supporting immune function, protecting against infection, and it can influence our mood and mental health too. I'm a big fan of the Better You Vitamin D oral sprays, which include products suitable for all the family that are very simple to use and with a delicious peppermint flavour. Discover their full range of vitamin and mineral sprays and their wonderfully calming magnesium products, which come as lotions, bath salts and skin sprays by visiting betteru.com forward slash thm where listeners can get 20% off at checkout using the code thm subject to terms and conditions so that's b-e-t-t-e-r-y-o-u dot forward slash thm plus the discount code thm which stands for the happy menopause nice and easy to remember And so on to today's episode, I've been a big fan of Julie Robinson for a long time. She's kind, funny, engaging, and has the unbeatable knack of making exercise fun. She's made it her life's work to get women and girls of all ages moving more, to support our physical and mental health and well-being. She founded MenoHealth after her own experience of early menopause. So this is a woman who knows all about the challenges of this phase of life. Let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Julie.
1: Thank you, Jackie. So pleased to be here.
0: I'm delighted that you're joining us because I'm a big fan and I can't wait for you to share your story. So let's start with that. What, what is your story? What's your background and how did it lead to where you are now?
1: Oh, it's going back a long, long time, but I once. That's was okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I once upon a time was a PE teacher, one of those people you either loved or hated. In a school. I was- Yes, in a school. So it was secondary school. And it was really difficult to try and motivate teenage girls to exercise. We've all known that yeah. horrible experience of being out on the field playing hockey in the winter. It gave me yeah. a lot of uh, reasons to find ways to motivate people to exercise and move. And what came about was at the time, the Jane Fonda era, with the uh, pop music and leotards and leg warmers. And I found that music was the most amazing way to motivate people to move who were a little bit reluctant.
0: So did that help the girls? I mean, were they did that make a difference?
1: Oh yes, all of them that were pretending that they couldn't do PE that day when it was hockey would be coming full of vim and vigor and enthusiasm when it was raining and we could go into the sports hall and get the music on and do well uh, dance about a bit as they saw it. And I think that's the key is my big message is about exercise and movement is fantastic for us physically and mentally, but we've got to find something we enjoy.
0: I mean, that sounds amazing because I've suddenly got this sort of cold shiver down my spine when I remember PE classes at school. And the thing I remember the most actually vividly is the awful communal showers. (laughs) And I think that sense, when you're so body conscious and and body aware as as a teenager and really shy, the fact of having to sort of run through these relatively cold showers with everyone else when your boobs weren't perhaps quite as good as as some others, horrible, horrible experience. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I know. And I think that, that a lot of people have got negative connotations of exercise that stem from those early experiences. So I'm very much here to try and dispel that and, and encourage people to find something they love doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is all about that, isn't it? I think when if you suddenly discover something you enjoy, then everything melts away and you think it just becomes much easier.
1: Exactly right. The other thing that I did when I was at that stage was I ran a a women's dance and health studio. And this was really uh, something that led. I never knew at the time, of course, that this would help me in my future life. But most of the women that were coming were in their 40s. Uh, and 50s and they were all struggling with weight gain so it was uh, again that chance to try and get them to look at how they can look after themselves and exercise was a part of that and that's perhaps led me uh, onto Menno Health in these future years.
0: So how old were you when you started doing that?
1: I was about 23 and uh, I, I carried that on intermittently with my teaching. Um, and I've always gone back to teaching, as it was, aerobics uh, throughout my life, because I think if you get a group of women together and you get the music on, it doesn't feel like you're exercising. That's when you have such good fun uh, and you leave there feeling great. That's how I'd li- like everybody to, to think of exercise.
0: So when did you start to focus on on older people and the whole move it or lose it thing?
1: Well, I was very late to become an entrepreneur. Uh, I was actually about 50 when I set up, uh, well, I trained to teach exercise to older people because my parents were reaching an age where they were really struggling with their health. And for all Ah, of my knowledge all my experience, I didn't know how to help them. So I looked into it, I researched, I retrained, and I started teaching a few classes for older people. Found that I loved it, found that they loved it, and actually kept coming week after week to say, I can walk up the stairs again now. I'm going on holiday with the grandchildren. And it became so wonderful that I wanted to make that grow into a bigger company to reach more people. And so I actually um, made a DVD. That's how it all began with the people in my class And they came up with the name Move It or Lose It because it doesn't say exercise in the title, which they think is a bit off-putting. And so that's how it all began. And then I got involved with the research and the science and eventually set up a training company. And now we have tens of thousands of people joining in community classes all across the country every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So tell us your menopause story, which I know began very early.
1: Yes, I, uh, I actually, it was really difficult because I'd I'd had my children and gone back to teaching in a primary school. Um, and I was having dreadful uh, periods, which you can imagine when you're a teacher, you can't just jump out of the classroom um, and pain and lots of other symptoms. And eventually it was found that I had endometriosis. So at 36, I had a, a hysterectomy. But at the time, the research was showing that HRT, they felt, was linked to breast cancer. And so my consultant and the doctor scared the living daylights out of me and said, you don't want to take that. Now, HRT, of course, isn't for everybody. But actually, at that time, given my personal history, I missed out on those magic years when the oestrogen could have really helped me. I've now found yeah. that I've got osteoporosis, um, which I think is, you know, it's not down to not exercising and it's not down to poor mm, nutrition. For sure, it, It's down to that lack of estrogen in those early years when I really perhaps should have been given that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. A- anything sort of below the, the standard age of menopause, your body's expecting estrogen, basically. And if it's not getting it, then you, you could be laying the groundwork for problems further down the line. That's not to say that you can't change your mind later when you sort of reach official uh, menopause age. But it's true that for a premature menopause like that, whether it, it's something that comes on in and of itself, or whether it's it's surgically induced, it's a problem, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I think that's where there's still a lot of education that needs to be done. So people are aware of these things. And of course, I then had a really miserable time well before all my peers, because friends weren't experiencing menopause like I was, with palpitations, ending up in A&E, uh, having those oh awful dear. joint aches and pains. I couldn't sleep. So I really empathise and understand how it can be rotten for some people. And I only wished that I'd known then what I know now. It would have helped me immensely.
0: Yeah, but what you are doing, of course, is laying the groundwork for the women coming through to know what you know now. And so that at least they're going to be spared that. So that, of course, led to you founding Menno Health. So what's the difference between that and move it or lose it?
1: So with Move It or Lose It, we're focusing mainly on people who are 60 plus or those with long term health conditions who really need to exercise but are very fearful um, and have many barriers preventing them from doing so. So they come along to our community classes. Um, with Menno, is it online? There is an online club for Move It or Lose It, but we do have uh, classes in church halls, community centres and all sorts of places all across the UK where people can go and exercise in their local community. The big, big plus there is they socialise as well as exercise.
0: Yeah, so it could be something great for some of the listeners' parents. I'm just going to flag that up.
1: Oh, absolutely, because that's how I started, in a way, was I was worried about mum and dad, and, and actually that's yeah. sometimes the key. It may be that a doctor can refer them in, uh, but often it's it's adult children who are a bit worried about how mum mm-hmm. and dad are becoming mm-hmm. a little frailer uh, and, and uh, lonely or, or low. So with Meno yeah. Health, I wanted to recreate that same feeling of community and belonging and motivation and empathy and kindness that we have with Move It or Lose It into Menno Health. And we did, in fact, start with training instructors to teach classes. Um, things were going really well when I, I was on BBC Breakfast when they had their week-long programme, Wake Up to the Menopause. And ah, yes. uh, uh, sadly, it wasn't long after everything was starting to somersault forward in a very positive way that the pandemic actually stopped all those face-to-face classes. And uh, what we did, we took things online like everybody else did during those lockdown years. And we found that um, we could try and recreate that sense of support and community, particularly for workplace support, So that we include some discussion, some information and some exercise in short half hour sessions that companies can access. So everybody can come and listen, learn and help each other.
0: Oh, it sounds amazing. So let's talk about your new book, FAQs on menopause. Now, we all know there are a lot of menopause books out there these days. Times have Uh really changed. But this (laughs) one's a bit different I mean, what I really like about it is that there's no more Dr. Google for us because you've got this handy little guide. So why did you decide to write it?
1: Well, I think it's because after listening to people, um, thousands and thousands of people, either at the support groups or through our social media platforms, we hear these questions being asked over and over again. So it's the real questions from real people. And it's not taking it from a medical point of view. It's not taking it from a celebrity point of view. It's just listening and saying, I've been there. I understand you. I hear you. And then I've tried to take all my knowledge and I'm an affiliate member of the British Menopause Society, where there's evidence and try and distill that into something that's a little bit more interesting than a very big academic research paper that comes down to saying, here's the evidence of things that you could look at, and here's all of the other things that we've learned around this subject. You decide what's right for you. Let's give everybody a choice.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's great because there are a lot of books out there, but a lot of them are a bit sort of the memoir. And ultimately that's somebody's individual experience of menopause. What's great about this is that it's this little guide that can sit on your shelf. And, you know, when, you know, symptom number 23 arrives, you can think, Oh, <laughs> what does Julie say about that? And then you can go and have a little look and it's all there and it's quick. And I think with, we were also time poor that something like that could be a godsend.
1: Yes. And I'd love to think that it's one of those books that can just sit there and maybe it's a partner or it's um, a friend of or it's somebody, a colleague at work that you can just say, oh, have you seen page 36? You know, that that sort of gives you a quick answer. They can dip in. So not just for people going through menopause.
0: Yeah, perfect. Well, what I've decided to do is pick a handful of the FAQs that you cover to give people an idea of the vast range of areas you look at. And we're going to have a quick chat about each one. So here's the first one from one of your many contacts. And this lady said, I used to exercise regularly, but I've had to stop since menopause because my joints ache. Could it be arthritis? And what can I do about it? So what does the book say? What does Julie say?
1: (laughs) Oh, well, that's a great question. And I think those joint aches and pains are often a surprise symptom. Everybody knows about the hot flushes. We're all talking about brain fog, which is brilliant. But aches and pains, that's when you suddenly feel like you've aged 20 years overnight and that you've woken Mm. up and your hands are stiff, your neck's stiff, your hips hurt. So naturally, the tendency is to stop moving because it feels uncomfortable. Whereas in actual fact, what we've really got to do is keep moving. Now, that doesn't mean going straight out for a run. It's finding movements that are going to be suitable for you at that time. So I think looking at movement, um, especially if we can do some strengthening exercises, because if we can strengthen the muscles around the joint, it gives it a bit more support. Uh, And that in itself will help. And the big key is to reduce inflammation. I know you talk about that a lot, Jackie, with nutrition, don't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So that that sort of anti-inflammatory diet approach, things like the the Mediterranean diet, which is focusing on the the coastlines of the Mediterranean. It's not the pasta or the pizza, everyone. And you're thinking about having lots of vegetables, lots of oily fish, things like sardines and mackerel and salmon, lots of olive oil, all those things, the omega-3s that are going to literally oil your joints, aren't they?
1: Exactly. And exercise plays a part in that too. So, because that estrogen's dipping down, you know, we can actually try and replicate that lubrication that estrogen offers by moving the joints. Uh, so, really, it is like you are oiling your joints, like you said. And obviously, maintaining a healthy weight will help because If you are walking upstairs or up hills and you're carrying that extra weight, then it's putting two or three times the pressure on your knees. So it's it's as if you were walking upstairs carrying a big, heavy backpack. So maintaining a healthy weight, keeping yourself moving, um, and and I think really just trying to do gentle movements if you are suffering uh, with those achy joints. So don't be worried about making it a high-impact, high-intensity class. Maybe swimming is uh, a great, even if you're not a brilliant swimmer, moving in the water, an aqua class, for example, even just walking in the water, you're adding that bit of resistance without putting any stress on the joints.
0: Yeah, great advice. Thank you. So let's move on to the next one, uh, one that's rather dear to my heart. (laughs) It's so embarrassing, but I've started getting thick hairs growing on my chin and upper lip. I keep plucking, but they keep coming back. What else can I try?
1: (laughs) Oh, goodness. It's lovely when we have a support session and somebody actually starts to open the door to talk about this because people are embarrassed uh, and they think, oh, no, I don't want anyone to know that this is happening to me. But as soon as you actually open the door, everybody goes, oh, that's me. As well. And they don't feel quite Excellent. as low. One of the things that we put out on our social media, in fact, or just recently was, are you a plucker? And uh, we've had some super <laughs> responses. <laughs> because I think what we love through having our Menno Sisters group and, and the community online is that people share and empower each other. So actually, there's a lot of really useful advice. Rather than this coming from um, a company trying to sell their product, it's coming from real people experiencing these issues such as unwanted hair. So this sort of, uh, when your testosterone perhaps can be going a little more dominant, your estrogen's dipping, and you suddenly wake up and think, well, how have I suddenly got... a?" hairs on my chin for example um it can be really a bit scary so what you have to try various things to see what works for you I know now uh, most women uh, that we've spoken to carry in their handbag they've got a little menopause toolkit uh, for the hot flushes with a spray bottle and the fan but they've got a <laughs> magnifying mirror and a, a pair of tweezers and actually a lot of people can get away with just that odd hair plucking but uh, for some, it can become quite severe. Uh, there's so many things to try with the threading and the waxing and the bleaching and the depilatory creams, electrolysis, laser, but a bit expensive. I think it does depend on your skin type, your hair type. So go and get some advice and listen to what's worked for other people. And of course, if you are really struggling with that, um, you might need to see a doctor just to rule out that there isn't an underlying condition causing this. And it's just good old menopause.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one, isn't it? The thing that frustrates me is that uh, I seem to spend a fortune dealing with my grey roots on my hair. But the the ones that come out on my chin or on my moustache, oh, aren't they lovely and dark? It's very frustrating. (laughs) Nothing gray about them.
1: <laughs> it's so annoying, isn't it? It seems very unfair that for some, uh, and I had this as well, your hair starts thinning and I was getting, you know, really thin hair. Uh, and And at the same time, you're getting hair growing in a place that you never expected it or wanted it. So, yeah, it's one of those things. We've got to find something that works for us you need to approach it with a sense of humour.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I went straight once I saw that question there. I had a good old read. There's several very useful pages on there. I I just wanted to let everyone know. Next question then. And this is an interesting one because it's something I think that comes up quite a bit. What's the difference between body identical and bio-identical HRT and which is best?
1: Yes, I think this causes a lot of confusion and uh, people think that they need to pay to go and get a better form of HRT. And certainly at the moment, as the land lies, is that the British Menopause Society have advised that we should stick to the body identical HRT that we can get from the doctors on the NHS, for example. Um, And that's because it goes through such rigorous clinical testing, that you can be absolutely certain of what you're getting and that the dosages are all exactly the same. Uh, so it can be a bit of a warning to say, watch out for those adverts you might see to come and get a blood test or a saliva test and we'll give you a unique prescription of bio bio-identical HRT. So at the moment that is not regulated Um, you can't be absolutely certain about what you're getting. So I think the best advice at the moment is to just follow that from the BMS and say, stick to the body identical, which is the kind of HRT that we get. And it is now um, derived mainly from the yam plant. So it is a lot more natural than the old style HRT that would have perhaps been around when I first needed it.
0: Yeah. uh, Okay. great advice. And I know it's tricky for people at the moment because certainly in, in the UK, there's a bit of a shortage going on. So there's some frustration, but it's worth pushing for that, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I know that there's been some confusion as well about, oh, you can go and buy HRT now from the chemist. And people think they can turn up and be given their estrogen and progesterone and their patches, gels and sprays. And no, it is only that one particular vaginal estrogen that's available to buy. And even then, there's quite a lot of detailed questions that your pharmacist would need to ask. Uh, So really, I think the best thing is you have got to see your doctor or ask to go to a menopause clinic um, if you're not getting the answers that you, you wanted and go and get further advice.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, next question, another big one, I think. My workplace is not very sympathetic about menopause. Where can I go for help? It's very
1: unfortunate that we are still hearing that all too often. I would have liked to think by now, with all of the talk about menopause, that every company and organisation has recognised there's an absolute need to give the people in their company the support, information, uh, uh, and workplace adjustments that they need to keep them in their job, Um, because we know people are leaving their jobs just at the peak of their career because of their menopause symptoms. It doesn't need to be that way. And where the companies are doing it right, they're leading the way uh, and they actually can get people to thrive and stay at work. Uh, And often it's very simple things that can be put in place uh, to give you what you need uh, to carry on with your job. I think that support groups are a phenomenal way to offer that kind of uh, very much face-to-face or online support so people feel empowered you're not just talking about the doom and gloom of menopause but you're getting information you feel empowered you make your choices and you go and get the help that you need but when it comes to the workplace um, I mean there's some great things out there for you to go and look at, Uh, for example, the Faculty of Occupational Medicine and the CIPD have got guidance. But what we try and deal with is some of the real practical things. So uh, there's a a few tips that I can share here, if that's okay, Jackie.
0: Oh, yes, please.
1: Obviously, to arrange that meeting, it might be your line manager or somebody else Uh, that you feel that you can turn to. And that's your first port of call. And you need to know who that is. And that's when you can talk about the things that they can do to support you. Having a list of questions, having a list of things that would help you in your environment and perhaps taking somebody with you to that meeting so that they can make notes. uh, Because we can sometimes get a little bit emotional when we start to talk about feeling anxious or scared or worried Mm -hmm. or tired and fatigued. You know, it can be as simple as getting that ventilation sorted and the desk fans and the cool water, but there's sometimes more that needs to be done to support our psychological symptoms as well. I think having a library of menopause books is great, so they're up on the shelf for people to pick up and borrow, normalise that conversation about menopause, putting up posters on the back of the toilet doors um, about menopause, you know, those fantastic uh, know your menopause posters so everybody starts to recognise the symptoms. Just on a very personal note, it's more about what you can do to help yourself, such as cutting back on multitasking. We're very good at this, and yet it really doesn't work very well when you're suffering with brain fog particularly or lack of sleep. And I think making sure that you just pause those notifications at some point during the day, uh, because we can start to get that spike of adrenaline every time we hear the ping. It's another email. Oh, it's another thing I've got to do. It's another phone call. And just to take that little bit of time out uh, to do something to try and help you de-stress.
0: Yeah, great advice. And the last one I want to pick up on, which, which is very relevant to what you've just mentioned, actually, is this one. I've suddenly started to get anxious about everything and had my first panic attack. What can I do to help myself?
1: Oh, I really understand and sympathise with this. Uh, We did a poll with our our menopause community not too long ago and uh, hot flushes wasn't top of the list. Anxiety was and brain fog. Uh, And I think that it is so commonly experienced. And if you've not been anxious before, This can really take you by surprise. People start to leave their jobs often or stop going for that promotion or putting themselves forward to do something they've Mm. done quite comfortably for years before because of this anxiety. So some of the um, tips that we've shared and that people have said have been helpful is to try and focus on your breathing. We know it's very difficult to do when you are feeling anxious, but just even if it's two minutes of breathing and holding and breathing out and holding, that box breathing or or, or anything that works for you that actually just focuses on you, taking a moment and actually stopping that um, accelerated feeling of your breathing faster and faster, your heart rate's going up, your adrenaline, your cortisol. So if we can break that cycle, and breathing has been proven to be immensely effective. The next thing is, and I found this quite good, is to set aside some time to worry, because we can worry (laughs) all day, every day. Uh, And and so when that negative thought keeps popping back in, instead of starting to let your brain go round and round and round with it again, is to say, I'm going to put that to one side, but at six o'clock just as I'm finishing work for example I'm going to allow myself 15 minutes to really worry about everything I've got to worry about and then try and compartmentalize and switch it back off some people find those worry beads help but just setting aside a little bit of time write them down and then put that piece of paper away
0: that's amazing advice yeah I'm gonna remember that one brilliant
1: It's sometimes easier said than done. But, you know, if I really focus on doing that, it it helps me to be a bit more productive. I think things like aromatherapy, if you can find the essential oils that, that help you. And, you know, there are well known ones like lavender or jasmine, bergamot, chamomile, geranium. And just to be able to use those If you're at work, for example, or in a situation where you can feel that anxiety rising, you can literally just have it on a few drops in a hand cream and you've rubbed them on your hand and then you just You can uh, get that aroma or there's pulse point roller balls that you can use. So it hasn't got to be a full aromatherapy massage, much as I'd love one of those. I think it is just (laughs) bringing the oils into helping you. A diffuser, for example, just so you're getting those aromas. And and again, it's just that um, element of looking after yourself and de-stressing.
0: Yeah, I think that's really great advice.
1: I have to say as well, Jackie, that the big one, I say uh, virtually as the answer to all things is to exercise. Um, Because movement is medicine for, for menopause. And I think people see exercise as something for your muscles and your bones and your heart. Of course, it is. But actually, it's been shown to release hormones that act like a natural antidepressant and anti-anxiety drug. And you've got no nasty side effects. So again, it's just finding that whether it's going out walking, you know, this forest bathing means you're getting out into nature. You're not having to get into cold water swimming if you don't want to. But it's being amongst the trees and it's just looking up into the sky, having 10 minutes, even if it's during your lunch or before or after work or just doing some stretching, whatever works for you. Make that part of your self-care.
0: Yeah. Brilliant advice. I think I'd add a couple more things in there as well. I'd say audit your caffeine intake because caffeine can make you very jittery. And if you're already feeling anxious, it's not going to help. And let's not forget that you know tea contains caffeine and so does green tea. It contains exactly the same amount of caffeine as black tea. It comes from the same plant. So don't be all smug about, oh, well, I only have green tea because it's still plenty of caffeine. And I would also put a shout out for the magnesium sulfate, the Epsom salts bath or foot bath if you can't face a bath because either there's a heat wave or you're getting hot flushes or you don't like baths. But two or three handfuls of salts in the bath or foot bath Soak for a good 20 minutes. The magnesium will absorb through the skin. And it's nature's calmer. It calms our nervous system. It regulates the body's response to stress and really helps you to feel better equipped to cope with the, the challenges of daily life. So I think that can also be a great helper.
1: I've definitely put that in my book, Jackie, because uh, we recommend everybody reads your book for Happy Menopause. <laughs> uh, because- magnesium mm-hmm. is is one of those things that I've heard so many people say it's worked for me and it's helping them with their sleep or it's helping them with their stress and anxiety so thank you to you for your top tips
0: oh you're very welcome it's a big love in here with our us talking about our different <laughs> books isn't it <laughs> yes yes now Um, We're coming to the end. So before we do, I want to first of all ask you, where can people find you if they want to find out more about you, your different programmes and the work that you do?
1: I think the simplest thing is come over to the website, which is menohealth.co.uk Um, Get in touch with us because we have got a whole load of resources, like a symptom checklist, like how to have a good conversation with your doctor. You can join us on our social media. We've got very lively uh, Facebook groups where you can come and there's always somebody there that understands how you feel, night or day. Uh, And and of course, just email us, info at menohealth.co.uk. If you've got any questions, we're here to help.
0: Brilliant. Well, I'll be sure to put links to all of those in the show notes so everyone can find them easily. And I'm also going to add some links to move it or lose it in case anyone's interested about that one as well, because I think it sounds fabulous. So FAQs on menopause, your questions answered, no question too big, too small, too embarrassing, too strange by Julie Robinson. Look out for it, everybody. You can get it wherever you normally get your books. Now, finally... What are your top two tips, Julie, for women in midlife who are struggling with the menopause?
1: It's so hard, isn't it, to get down to two. I think prioritising yourself and your health, it's not selfish, it's sensible and it's absolutely vital. I think we're all very bad at this. We put everybody else first and that's why all of the things that we know are good for us go to the bottom of the list And if only we can try to look at ways to reduce our stress, find a little time for yourself, get that good nutrition and find your tribe, find the people that make you feel better and support you. We need those around us so you can talk and get the help that you need. And top tip number two. Well, of course, it's got to be movement. Uh, let's not say the word exercise, let's say uh, movement is uh, medicine for menopause. And I think it's just recognising that it'll help you stay younger and better for longer. So it's not just helping you with your menopause symptoms now, which it can do, but it's helping you for the rest of your life. It's worth that little bit of time to invest in that.
0: Yeah, brilliant advice. Julie, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jackie.
0: Julie is full of so much wisdom and expertise, I could chat to her for hours. FAQs on Menopause is a great little book, and I'd urge you to add it to your bookshelf because you won't regret it. If you'd like to find out more about Julie, Meno Health, Move It or Lose It, and her coaching programmes, I've put all the links on the show notes, which you can find on the podcast page of my website, well-well-well. hyphen hyphen .co.uk There's also a link to my book, The Happy Menopause: Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, if you'd like to take a deep dive into menopause nutrition. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode, and please give it a five-star rating and a short review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. I'd be so grateful. And do tell your friends and family about it too it really does make a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast so that more women can find the show. After all, every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.